Well, right, we're there in 2 Samuel chapter 15. And like I said before, the Bible reading, uh, we're, we're in this chapter now for the third week. And uh, what we do on Wednesday nights is we take a book of the Bible, we take and we just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and see what we can uh, glean from it and learn from it. We don't try to rush through it if there's something we can learn. It's rare that I'll be in a chapter for three weeks. We'll be in a chapter at least one week, and sometimes generally we'll be in a chapter two weeks. And I, I, I only preach a second or a third sermon out of a chapter if I feel like there's a second or third sermon there. I'm not one of these guys that spends the first half of the next week reviewing last week's sermon and then gives you one new thought or anything like that. If you remember, we were in this chapter the first week and we talked about Absalom and we talked about what it means to be a terrible follower and someone who's actually trying to hurt the leader. And then last week, we saw in the second part of the chapter what it means to be a good follower. And we saw all the good followers that David had that helped him through this time. Today, we're going to look at, tonight, we're going to look specifically at David. And I want you to notice that David is going through a very tough time in his life. It's, it's a very, it's a time of adversity. If you skip down to verse number 30, the Bible says there in 2 Samuel 15, 30, and David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet. I want you to notice what the Bible says, and wept as he went up. As he's leaving the city and he's going up the Mount Olivet, he's verbally and uh, out loud uh, weeping and crying as he goes and had his head covered and he went barefoot. Could you just imagine? And of course, this is a little bit of a different culture, but could you just see the scene in your, in your eye? Imagine David, this great leader, this great a warrior, this great man. The Bible tells us he's a man after God's own heart. He's the king. He's been king for 40 years now. And he's leaving. He's uh, retreating from his own palace and from his own uh, uh, stronghold. And the Bible tells us he, he's walking barefoot. He's got a hood on his head. And he's walking up Mount Olivet. And the Bible says he wept as he went up. But it gets even worse. Notice verse 30. Uh, the second part of verse 30. And all the people... That's all his followers, that's all his warriors, that's all his wives and his children and the wives and the children of the men that follow him and all the people that was with him covered every man his head and they went up, notice, weeping as they went up. You need to understand, see, we know 2 Samuel, we know the end of the story, we know how things are going to go, but as far as David knows, he's an old man now, as far as he knows, this is the last time he will see Jerusalem. This may be the last time he gets to be in the, in, in the, in the, near the house of God and with the people of God. And he doesn't know that he's coming back. And this is a very hard time for David. He's weeping out loud and those that are following are weeping out loud as they go. I don't know if you've ever gone through a time in your life where you've had so much adversity and so much trouble and so many trials that you've actually wept out loud. I mean, children do it all the time, right? But, you know, as an adult, as a grown man or as a grown woman, it kind of takes a lot to get you to the place where you would be weeping and you would be crying and you would be walking barefoot and mourning as you are retrieving. See, David was going through a time of much adversity. The word adversity means an unfavorable fate, a condition marked by misfortune, calamity, or distress. This was a very stressful and distressful time for David. Not only was he going through adversity, but he was experiencing much betrayal. You're there in, in 2 Samuel 15. Look at verse number 12. We just saw number 30. We're going to come back that way in a minute. But look at verse number 12. The Bible says, And Absalom 
Remember that Absalom is not just a political competitor, it's his son. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, who's Ahithophel, he's David's counselor. This is his friend. This is a man that David relied on to give him count. This is what it means that he's David's counselor is that when David needed advice, this is who he'd go to. When David didn't know what to do, this is someone he would go to and he would ask counsel of and he would ask questions of. This was a very intimate relationship. I mean, someone you go for counsel with, you know, you open up to them and you let them know your fears and your concerns and, and you let them know that, uh, you know, sometimes as a leader, people think you got everything figured out, but when you've got someone who's giving you counsel, they understand that you don't have it all figured out, that there are some things that you're not comfortable with. This is who Ahithophel was. Absalom was his son, and both of these men had turned against him. Look at verse 12. The um, Bible continues on from the city, even from Gilo, when he offered sacrifices. Notice, and the conspiracy was strong. The conspiracy was strong against David. The hearts of the man of Israel had turned against David, for the people increased continually with Absalom. Look at verse 13. And there came a messenger to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. Someone comes to David and says, hey, the people that you've been leading for the last 40 years, the people that you've been uh, 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 praying for and, and having and protecting and providing for, these people no longer want you to lead them. They found a better leader. They found a different leader. Their hearts are towards another leader. Go down to verse number 31. Notice what the Bible says. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. That had to have heard David when he heard that. As he's leaving town, as he's crying out loud, as he's walking barefoot with his head covered, and someone comes and says, hey, by the way, remember Ahithophel? Remember your counselor? Remember the guy that you go to for advice? Remember the guy that you go to when you don't know what to do? Remember the guy that you go to when you need somebody to encourage you? Remember the guy that you, know, that you go to when you got a big question mark as to how things are going to work out? A guy that would be probably really nice to have right now. David, remember that guy? That guy is among the conspirators with Absalom. See, I want to talk to you tonight about the things that you must choose during times of adversity. Because if you've ever wept out loud from heartache, this sermon is for you tonight. If you've ever worked hard to build something, like David worked hard to build the kingdom, just to have someone steal it from you, this sermon is for you tonight. If you've ever had someone steal the heart of someone that rightfully belonged to you, whether it's a spouse or a child, this sermon is for you tonight. If you've ever been at odds with a loved one, if you have a child that has hurt you, like Absalom hurt David, I want you to know this sermon is for you tonight. If you've ever been betrayed by a friend, like Ahithophel betrayed David, this sermon is for you tonight. Because, see, David made a lot of mistakes in his life. And something I like about David is David doesn't do, I don't like this about David, but uh, David doesn't do too well in life when things are going well. But when things are not going well, he shines. David knows how to deal with adversity. David knows how to deal with betrayal and persecution. And there's three things we see David do in this passage that I want to just help you because if you've ever dealt with any of those things, they will help you. But let me say this. Maybe you never have. Maybe you've never been hurt so badly that you've actually wept out loud. Maybe you've never had a close friend like Ahithophel or someone that you trusted or someone that you thought was helping you or counseling you in ministry turn and stab you in the back when you least expected. Maybe you've never gone through that. Maybe you never had a family member or a friend, you know, turn on you. But I can tell you this. You may one day experience those things. 
One day you may build something. You, you men, you know, you may go build a business or you may go build a ministry or you may go build a, a, a family just to have an Absalom come in and steal that from you. And one day you may feel like David feels. And I just want to give you a couple of things that you can do. Several things that you can do. Several things that David did during times of adversity. If you're able to take notes, I'd like you to write these statements down. Number one, during times of adversity, choose your battles wisely. During times of adversity, you need to make sure you choose when to fight and where to fight very carefully. When you are under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure, when you're under a lot of trials, when you are uh, feeling hurt and persecuted, you need to be very careful when and how you choose to fight. Notice there, 2 Samuel 15, look at verse 14. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee. For we shall not else escape from Absalom, but make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. See, David was still looking out for the best interest of the people. He said, I don't want to turn Jerusalem into a battlefield. He said, if we do that, he's going to smite the city with the edge of the sword. Many people are going to be hurt. Many people are going to be uh, 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 killed. And he says, this is not the time and the place to fight. Now listen, he chose not to fight in Jerusalem because in the next chapters, he will be fighting in a plane somewhere and he will gain victory. He chose not to fight there so that he could fight again another day. And sometimes during times of adversity, especially, especially when you are dealing with a follower who has had their heart stolen, you need to be very careful to choose your battles wisely. I'm trying to explain to you tonight that when you are dealing with a spouse who has their heart somewhere else other than your marriage, you need to be very careful to make sure you choose your battles wisely with that spouse. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying when you have a child whose heart is going wayward and their heart is not towards you and their heart is not towards the thing of God, things of God, you need to be very careful that you choose your battles wisely with that child. I, I'm saying as a pastor, you men that one day will pastor a church, when you have a church member who's stabbing you in the back or whose heart has turned away from you and turned away from the church and turned away from the things of God, you need to be very careful how you choose to engage and battle with that individual you need to choose. It's always interesting to me. And, I, and look, I understand what we preach, okay? As an independent formal Baptist, I understand that we preach that ladies, you need to submit to your husbands, and men, you need to lead the home, and children need to obey. And look, I get all that. I believe all that. I preach all that. I teach all that. I'm not trying to compromise tonight, but listen to me very carefully. You may have to deal differently. You may, you may see Pastor Jimenez or some other pastor and you see how they treat their children and you see how they speak to their children and you see how they're strict with their children and, and you say, well, I'm going to do that. But listen to me. You may have to treat a child who has grown up in a church their whole life, like Verity Baptist Church, who's been homeschooled their whole life, who's been around the things of God their whole life. You may have to treat that child a little differently and you may have to choose your battles with that child a little differently than you would choose the battles. See, Sometimes people bring a 13-year-old into a church like this and change their lives. You know, in a week, it's like, we got saved, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And, and, and they don't choose their battles wisely. I'm just saying, David was smart enough to be able to realize, when I don't have the heart of this child, I better choose what I'm going to fight. See, sometimes I, I counsel marriages, and they're on the brink of divorce. 
And literally people come to me and they're, they're arguing about how to load, you know, how to properly load the dishwasher. You know, they're, they're in this big old fight and they're, getting, you know, they're threatening divorce because one of them, you know, squeezes the, 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 the toothpaste from the back and the other one does it from the front. And they fight about these things. And sometimes I want to take a, a man and shake him or take a, a woman and shake him and say, listen, you don't have the heart of your wife right now. You don't have the heart of your, of your, of your husband right now. You're, you're almost ready to get a divorce and separate. Maybe you ought to choose your battles a little wisely and just not care about how she loads the dishwasher. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you say, well, well, well Pastor Maddox gets up there and he says, that, you know, and his wife this and his kids this and his. But listen to me. Sometimes when you're losing... When you're in adversity, when you're in trouble, you need to choose your battles a little wisely. See, there was a time when David would have just grabbed a slingshot and a rock and said, let's go kill that giant. But right now he says, you know what, let's retreat to fight another day. And sometimes, during times of adversity, it's, you need to choose your battles wisely. That's all I'm saying. You need to choose your battles wisely. We've had people give us problems here in ministry and later on when others maybe became clear to them that, that things were happening. We, we've had people come, come to my wife and I and say, we, we never knew that you had a problem with those individuals. I mean, if you would ask me, I would have thought they were your best friend. I took that as the best compliment. You say, why? Because we were choosing our battles wisely. Because there are times to fight and there are times to stand up and publicly do things. And there are other times when you just kind of retreat, when you kind of just step back, when you kind of just wait for the right moment. And you choose to fight at the right time. And I'm just trying to help you tonight. One day, hopefully you won't, but one day you may be dealing with a spouse whose heart is gone after another person. One day you may be dealing with a child whose heart is gone after their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their whatever or their whoever or their friend or their teacher or whoever it may be. And they're not listening to you and you don't have their influence over them. Just be careful. Careful the things you make big deals about in those battles. Sometimes you just want to be a little smart and say, you know what, this is not a battle. This is not a fight. This is not an argument that I need to fight right now. And sometimes it's wise to retreat so that you can fight another day. See, the first thing we learn from this passage is that during times of adversity, you should choose your battles wisely. And I'm not trying to be a liberal tonight. I'm just trying to be practical and help you out. Sometimes you just have to have a little discernment and realize that the way that Pastor so-and-so deals with his family or the way that Pastor so-and-so deals with his church members may not be exactly the way you need to. One day you may be fighting Goliath and another chapter you may be running from Absalom. So I'm saying same David. Same man after God's own heart. During times of adversity you choose your battles wisely. Number two tonight. I said, number one, during times of adversity, choose your battles wisely. Number two, during times of adversity, choose to accept the outcome. During times of adversity, when you don't know what the outcome is going to be, when you're leaving Jerusalem and you're not sure that you're ever going to see it again, when you're leaving the ark of God behind and you're not sure that you're ever going to see it again, when you're leaving the throne behind and you're not sure that you're ever coming back to a throne, Decide in your heart and choose in your heart that you will accept the outcome, whatever it may be. Notice what David does in verse number 24, 2 Samuel 15, verse 24. And lo, Zadok also, and all the Levites were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God, and they set down the ark of God 
And Abithar went up until all the people had done passing out of the city. And the king said unto Zadok, carry back the ark of God into the city. They bring the ark out to God. And I'm sure this was very smart of David because remember, they had lost the ark to the Philistines before trying to use it as a lucky charm, you know, to win a battle. And David said, no, 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 we're not going to take the ark with us. The king said unto Zadok, verse 25, carry back the ark of God into the city. Notice what he says. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. But notice what David says. This is where David shines. Verse 26. But if he thus say, talking about God, he said, if God says, I have no delight in thee. This is David saying, if God says about me that he no longer has delighted me, that he no longer wants to favor me, that he no longer wants to accept me, that he no longer has his blessing on me. He says, if I, but if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, notice what he says, here am I, let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. You know what David said? David said, whatever God wants to do, I'm okay with it. If God wants to take my kingdom, I'm okay with that. And listen to me, sometimes we get, we, we, we get to places in lives, especially when we're having trials, and we'll say, well, God, if you take that job from me, or that house, or that car, or that spouse, or that child, or that ministry, or whatever it may be. We try to make the, we try to put, the, you know, these, give these ultimatums to God. Well, if you do this, God, you, I'm never going to serve you again. That wasn't David. No, David said, God, if you want to take my kingdom, that's, that's okay with me. You want to take, take all the work that I put in? If you, if, if you don't delight in me anymore, if you have chosen to take it from me because of my sin and because of my mistake, because of the choices that I've made, he said, if I have no delight in thee, behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. How many times have we been in an ER somewhere with someone that we love and say, Lord, whatever you decide to do, it's okay with me. I mean, how many times are we, are we sitting there waiting for a phone call or waiting for an email because we need an answer to a question and we say to God, God, whatever you decide, whatever you choose, whatever your will is, I, it will be fine with me. See, during times of adversity, we must choose to accept the outcome, no matter what it is. David had already chosen that in his heart. Look, look at verse number 19, 2 Samuel 15, look at verse number 19. 2 Samuel 15 and verse 19, the Bible says this. Then said the king to Ittai the Gittite. Remember, Ittai the Gittite comes out to try to go with David. And he said, wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place. David did not want Ittai to go with him. Ittai had only been following him for a day, for a short amount of time. He said, you've only been with me for a day. I'm not going to expect this from you. But notice what David says to Ittai. He says, abide with the king. Talk about Absalom. See, David had already decided in his heart, if God has chosen Absalom, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. You know, there there never ought to be anything that we hold on the table that we say, well, God, if you take this from me. You know what? During times of adversity, we need to choose to accept the fact that whatever God chooses to do, we will accept it and we will be okay with it. And we will say, let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. You're there in 2 Samuel 15. Keep your place there, but go with me to the book of Job. You know the story. I know you know the story of Job. But let's look at it together. 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Job, chapter number 1. It's interesting because we see some similarities between David and Job. And the thing is this. Job was innocent. Job did nothing wrong. David, not so much. 
But the steps they take, it's interesting, they take very similar steps. See, David goes to God and says, Lord, if it's your will, Lord, if you decide, Lord, if, if, if I don't find favor and I don't find delight in your eyes anymore, let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. That's what David said. Job lost everything. Job lost his finances. Job lost his children. Job lost his health. Job lost everything. And you know the famous statements he made. Job 121 says this, and said, this is what Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what Job was saying? If he find no delight in me, if he doesn't favor me anymore, if he doesn't want to bless me anymore, if he chooses to take it all away, he's the one that gave it to begin with. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will accept that outcome. See, what you do during times of adversity is you choose your battles wisely. And then you choose to decide that whatever God decides, it's okay. It's okay with you, with me. You're there in Job chapter 2, look at verse 9. Then said his wife unto him, Does thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? See, we never complain when God is being good to us. We never complain when we're slaying the Goliaths. We never complain when we're winning the battles, when everything's going well. But see, Job understood something. David understood something. He said, Shall we receive the good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. See, we ought to rejoice when 80 soul winners show up to the marathon. We ought to rejoice when the attendances are high. We ought to rejoice when the baptisms are coming. We ought to rejoice. But you know what? We ought to rejoice just as much when the protesters are out there, when the lawsuits are coming, when the, when the landlord is turning on us. Do you understand? Whatever happens, we need to decide, hey, God, whatever you want, whatever your will is, whether you delight in me or not, I will accept that outcome. I will be fine with whatever choice you make. See, during times of adversity, we need to choose our battles wisely. And during times of adversity, we need to choose to accept the outcome, whatever it may be. Let me give you a third one. Keep your place there in Job. Go back to Psalm 15, 2 Samuel, excuse me, 15. 2 Samuel 15. Number three, during times of adversity, choose to worship God. See, Usually, when the times of adversity come is when our heart drifts away from God. The tendency is that when things are going well, we're just kind of faithful to whatever it is, that whatever routine we have established with church. But here's what I've noticed. When things aren't going well, when you lose the job, when, when your health goes bad, when things are not happening the way you think they should be, that's usually when we tend to drift away. That's when we tend to skip out on church. That's when we tend to skip out on our Bible reading. That's when we tend to skip out on our prayer time. That's when we tend to skip out on our soul winning. That's when we tend to kind of get away from God. And that's the worst thing you could do during times of adversity. It's to step away from God. It's to say, well, I'm just not feeling well. Well, I'm just depressed, and I'm just discouraged, and I just want to stay in this room, in this dark room by myself, and I don't want to talk to anyone. The worst thing you could do during times of adversity is to separate yourself from God and God's people. And you know what's interesting is that both Job and David decided to do the opposite. During times of adversity, they chose to worship. Are you there in 2 Samuel 15? Look at verse 30. Notice what the Bible says. And David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up, and his head 
and, and had his head covered. And he went barefoot, and all the people that was with him covered every man his head. And they went up, weeping as they went up. And one told David, saying, Ahithophelus among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And it came to pass, notice, and it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount, notice, where he worshipped God. Do you see that? See, as David, as David was leaving town, as David was retreating from military force, as David was going through a time of depression and discouragement, the Bible tells us when he gets to the top of Mount Olivet, he took time to worship God. See, he decided this is the time I need to get in my Bible reading. Pastor, uh, Pastor good night. Brother Stuckey preached a great sermon on Bible reading on Sunday. I hope you were here for it. If you didn't, I'd encourage you to listen to it online. See, when you are depressed and discouraged, when, thing, when you feel like things are falling apart, that's not the time to forget the worship of God. That's the time to get close and near to God. David is leaving town and retreating. He gets to the top of the mount, and then the Bible tells us where he worshiped God. He worshiped God. Notice what Job does. Go back to Job chapter 1. Look at verse 20. Job chapter 1, Job gets all those bad news. Job makes those great statements. He said, the Lord gave, the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in verse number 20, the Bible says, Job 1.20, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. Don't miss it. And worshipped. Did you see that? He worshipped. He decided during times of adversity to take time and worship God. And see, generally we think, well, worship is when you praise the Lord and you tell him how great he is. And why would I be telling him everything is great when I'm losing my kingdom? And why would I be telling him everything is great when I'm having people rise up against me? And why would I be telling him everything's great when my whole world and my life and my ministry is falling apart? But that's what Job did, and that's what David did. Because during times of adversity, the best thing you could do is worship God. Just take time. To, you say, well, what, what does that mean to worship? That's a word that's used a lot today. You're there in 2 Samuel. Go with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 95. If you kept your place in Job, the very next book over is Psalm. Psalm 95. Today you got these contemporary Christian churches telling you, you know, oh, come out to our rock concert. It's our praise and worship time, you know. And they call their rock concert a worship. But I want to just real quickly just give you some references in regards to what the Bible defines as worship, because look, it doesn't matter what we think, all that matters is what the Bible says. And what the Bible defines as worship is what worship is. And I will submit to you tonight that worship is not, you know, rocking out at a rock concert. Psalm 95 and verse 6, the Bible says this. Psalm 95 and verse 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship. I want you to make note of these words. And bow down. Do you see that? Let us worship. And bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I want you to notice that throughout in the Bible, you will find that there is a connection between worship and bowing your knee before God. You see there in Psalm 95, verse 6. Go with me to Joshua, chapter number 5. Joshua, chapter number 5. If you start at the book of Genesis, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then you've got the book of Joshua. Joshua, chapter number 5. There's like a hundred verses I could show you. I just picked out three or four to kind of make the point. Joshua chapter 5, look at verse number uh, 13. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn. 
in his hand. This is an Old Testament appearance of Christ. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversary? I love this story because Joshua sees this man come to him. He's out there praying and thinking about the battle that's to come. And he sees this man show up with his sword drawn. And he asks him, Are you for us or are you against us? Are you with our adversaries? I love the response that Jesus in this Old Testament appearance gives him. Verse 14. And he said, Nay. I think that's interesting. Because notice, Jesus doesn't say, oh, I'm for you. And he doesn't say, Joshua, I'm against you. He he says, nay, I'm not for you or against you. And listen to me, sometimes in our lives, you and I, you know, we're so programmed by television that sometimes you and I think our lives are a TV show and we're the star of it. And, and, And God is just automatically on our side. Listen to me, God is not for you or against you. You are the, he is the role player. He's a star of the show, and you're, you're, you're just a character in his story. And Joshua said, are you for us or against us? He said, nay. Notice, he said, nay, I'm not for you or against you. He said, and he said, notice verse 14, and he said, nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I not going. He said, Joshua, I am not for you. Joshua, I am not against you. Joshua, I am in charge of you. He said, I'm not for you, I'm in charge. Nay, but as the captain of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua, notice, fell on his face. Do you see that? You know what fell on his face means? His face hit the ground. Fell on his face to the earth and did what? Worship. And said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? See, in the Bible, worship, worship is not, ah, oh, I feel so spiritual. The rock concert. And the Bible worship is getting down on your knees on the ground, getting your face down on the ground and worshiping God. That's what the Bible says. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter number 4. Should be fairly easy to find. First book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 4. Remember the temptations of Christ? Matthew chapter number 4. Look at verse number 8. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8. The Bible says this again. The devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. This is the devil who's tempting Christ with all the kingdoms of the world. Notice verse 9. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt, notice, fall down and worship me. See, in the Bible, you, you see this connection between worship and falling down. The, the devil is asking Jesus, Will you fall down on your knees and worship me? Because that's what worship is to get down on your face, to get down on your knees. Go to Revelation chapter number 4. It should be fairly easy to find. Last book in the New Testament. We're going from the first book in the New Testament, chapter 4, to the last book in the New Testament, chapter 4. Look at verse 10. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 10. Revelation chapter number 4 and verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. Look at verse 8. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. And the four beasts, and each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders, notice, fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne. See, worship in the Bible. You you know what David did during times of adversity? You know what David did 
when he was running for his life. You know what David did when he was, when he was going through a lot of distress and anxiety and pressure? He t- literally took time to get down on his knees and put his face down to the ground and said, Lord, your will be done. Lord, I'll accept whatever you decide. Lord, help me to choose my battles wisely. The Lord gave, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what Job did. That's what David did. See, the best thing that you could do, the best thing that I could do, there are times adversity is to get down on our knees and open up a Bible and begin to read the Bible. Get down on our knees, open up a hymn book, and begin to sing praises to God. Get down on our knees and, and put our face down to the ground and begin to confess our sins and begin to uh, worship God and to begin to thank God for the goodness. And you say, well, he took that from me. Why don't you thank him for the time he allowed you to have it, whatever that may be. See, David understood. See, the thing about David is he, he makes a lot of mistakes. He does a lot of dumb things. When things are going well, he doesn't do that great. But David knows how to shine during persecution. By the way, sometimes that's why God persecutes us. Because listen to me, some of you, you want to know why you can't hold down a job? Because the only way God can get you to show up to church is when you're unemployed. But you say, I don't understand. Everybody has a car and I can't get a car. Because when you get a car, the one place you don't go is church. You can figure out how to get a ride on the van. I mean, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to tell you something. Why can't I get ahead in life? Because every time you get ahead in life, you forget about the one that got you ahead. Forget about the one that blessed you and helped you. And sometimes all that God can do is spin our world around to get us to worship him, to acknowledge him, to accept his will. Go to Psalm 119. This is the last place we'll look at tonight. Psalm 119, look at verse 71. Psalm 119, verse 71. Psalm 119, verse 71. The Bible says this. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. You ever said that? I don't think I ever have. I preached it. I don't think I've ever said it. He said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Why? That I might learn thy statutes. Because when I got afflicted, I showed up to church. When I got afflicted, I opened up my Bible. When I got afflicted, I began to worship God. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. I promise next week we'll be in... The next chapter, we won't spend another chapter in this week, but I just want you to notice, I, I thought it was important that we not move on. Without seeing David in, in the time of adversity, trouble, trials, tribulations, depressed, discouraged, the point where a grown man, a warrior and a leader of a nation is weeping out loud. He's been betrayed by his own son, by one of his good friends, but he does three very smart things. He chose his battles wisely. He said, right now is not the time to fight. Let me retreat to fight another day. He chose to accept the outcome, whatever it might be. If it's God's will that Absalom be king, I'm okay with that. If God delighted me, I will come back and see the ark. And if not, then that's fine. The Lord gave. The Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he chose to worship God at the time when our flesh mostly wants to ignore God and be mad at God, he chose to get down on his knees, put his face down to the ground, and worship the God of heaven. And I'm, I'm just trying to tell you, the best thing you could do, the best thing I could do during times of adversity, is not to put our fist up in the air and say, God, you better come through for me. You don't understand. 
And I don't deserve this. It's just to say, God, I love you, and I'm okay with whatever you desire. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.